Well, good morning. The one thing that I never prepped Josh for, oh no, whenever you talk about your children or your spouse, whether in a sermon or a song, you owe them like five bucks. All right? Really a dinner. Last week I got told that I owed my kids like a hundred dollars. The whole way to my brother's house, they're all mad at me. You owe me five bucks. You owe me ten bucks. I'm not talking to you today. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'll never do that again. So Josh... You got it already, okay? Just go there. So um, this morning is a very special morning in the plant. Um, six years ago, on June 20th, we as a church were sent out by Cornerstone Christian Church. And they had a going away celebration uh, for, for our group. And we were a small group of people of, I believe it was 28 of us, And we stood before this church and they prayed over us and they sent us out to go see what God was going to do in our local area. And we had no idea what He was going to do. And it has been, in the words of Jerry Garcia, a long, strange trip it's been. But it's been unbelievable. And it's funny because every single year for the last, I believe, couple years, what we've been doing is we start the year off And we end the school year off with a Vision Sunday. Because oftentimes in churches, when it comes time for for summer, what does everyone do? They scatter. And then then in September comes, they kind of try to re-engage in church. And and by October, everyone's like, no one knows me. No one knows my name. I can't come here anymore. That's what happens. And so we as a church have said, that's not who we are. We are going to constantly engage people for the Gospel because we believe the Gospel goes on forever. Amen? We believe that that God has called us to something that it's not just a program, it's not just a set of religious rules, but it's a relationship with Him and with others that we can follow Him all the days of our lives. And so this year... We are doing a little bit of a different Sunday morning. Omar and I, cowboy, are going to team preach to you. Now, you guys have never been part of a team preaching before, but the reason I asked Omar to do this with me is is that Omar has been an amazing brother to me. He has been someone with his wife, alongside my wife, That from day one, he said, I'm in it. I'm in it. And over the last six years, we as couples, we as families, um, he got married right at the very beginning of of the plants. And then he had two little beautiful girls. Is that that oftentimes I'm the guy standing up here because I'm I'm the, the, the main speaker guy. But what goes on behind the scenes, Omar and Jeremy both do but right now jeremy's in switzerland so he's not up here jerk eating cheese eating cheese and drinking water he's in switzerland but i just want to first begin by saying omar um you know i hug you all the time and tell you how thankful i am for you but i am so blessed that you've been on this journey with me if it wasn't for you and my wife i probably would have quit about a thousand times in the first year so I just want to thank Omar, and he's just done an amazing job. And 
He's doing a great job, too. Don't do that. Oh, oh. man. Kissed him. Paul says, first Killed of all, it. Paul says. Kill the moment. <laughs> Paul says, greet your brother with a holy kiss. So that was my holy kiss to him. At least we're not like incredibly matchy-matchy. That's like one prayer to I kind of was like, praying oh, that that Lord, would be. Please, so in that, I'm just so thankful. And I'm so thankful for, in the first year, we went from 28 to like 16, maybe 14, to now that we have about 200 people that call the Planter Home Church and that are going with us and moving with us. And here is the most beautiful part of the plant. What we set out to do has not changed at all. What we felt that God had called us to be, to be a missional church, to know Christ, to make Him known, we have not changed at all. And so before we begin, I want to do two things. I just want to ask everyone who was on the initial team to stand up. Stand up. Okay? If you're here, if you're here, stand up. And let's give them a hand. And second of all, I got to give my wife a kiss. I love you. I love you. You're the best. So, enough emotions. So here's what we're going to do is this past year, we spent the year focusing on prayer. And we spent the year looking at prayer from both the Old and the New Testament. Matter of fact, most of our time that we spent in prayer, we looked at the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament is the beginning of God's calling to His people and to a specific gathering, a group that would live out His kingdom and His presence. And so... As we're wrapping up this year, and as we're wrapping up our series on prayer, I want you to now turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Because right before Jesus was crucified, He had said a prayer in front of His disciples, over His disciples, that God would do three things. And these three things are the same things that we have focused on for the last six years. Three things. That's it. Our whole plant is summed up in three words. Gospel, community, and mission. And when I looked at John chapter 17 two weeks ago, I said this is the very words that Jesus had given to His disciples as He was ready to leave them to be crucified, dead, and buried, and then what? Risen to life, so that we may know Christ and make Him known. So before I read, let me pray. Jesus, thank You for this morning. And I thank You for this opportunity that we get to share Your calling on our church. I thank You for that for the last six years that There were many, many times that we just saw people come and go. We saw people want to engage and and then fear the calling that You had on them. But God, the things that You have done over the last six years have seen Your true heart come to life in such a way that now people are wanting to really not just know You, as faith in religion, but to make you known in relationship. And so I pray that you would be upon our time in Jesus' name. Amen. So turn with me to 1 John 17, 1-8. through 
Would you do me a favor? There's a switch up near the air conditioner. You want to just kill that? It's in the back corner. Read with me. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to the heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so He can give you glory, glory back to you. For you have given Him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given Him. And this is the way to have eternal life. Listen to what Jesus is praying. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought you glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed you to the ones you gave me from the world. They were always yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything I have is a gift from you. For I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you. And they believe you sent me. So think about this. John chapter 17 comes at the very end of Jesus' life. It's not a month earlier. It's not three weeks earlier. It's leading up to his death. And all of his life, Jesus would go away in silence. His whole life was going away and just he would be with his disciples, he would be with the crowds, but then he would go to pray by himself. There are times in the Gospel that Jesus had prayed in front of people, but most of His prayer life, His his deepest deepest concerns were when when He was alone. But this was different. This was a teachable moment for His disciples. This was an opportunity that, that right before He was going to be brought to the Jewish leaders that he had one last opportunity to teach them about prayer. Think about that. Have you ever been with someone whose whose last words you had the opportunity to be with? Have you ever been maybe that last person to pray for someone or with someone? There's something very significant, and what made this even more significant is that the disciples had no idea what Jesus was talking about. Why would you be put to death? You're the king. You're the Messiah. You're the one who's supposed to be coming on on a horse. But Jesus says, guys, we're going to stop. We're going to pray before we go any further. And the first part of his prayer, he says, he gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way, Father, to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. Right in this moment, Jesus sums up the gospel. The gospel is who? The gospel is Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ came because God so loves the world that he sent. His one and only Son, that we may have life. 
You see, oftentimes when we think about eternity, we think about the mountain and, and many roads leading to the very, very top. That's confusing. That brings chaos. And God said, I'm not going to bring chaos to this earth. I'm going to bring clarity. And the way to know our Creator is simply by knowing My Son, Jesus Christ. And you know what Jesus did when He was here on earth? He revealed that Jesus is God's Son. He's our Savior. He realized, we, re, we learned that Jesus is our, our sanctifier. He's the one that not only gives us eternity in the future, but eternity in the present. That He brings life transformation and life change. We know that Jesus is our healer, that as we see all throughout the Gospels, that, that Jesus healed people in their brokenness, in their sickness. And Jesus was and is our coming King. You see, to be a church of Jesus Christ means that, that you're founded and you're grounded on the Gospel who is not centered on us, but it's centered on Him. And our hope from day one was to bring this Gospel message that God so loves us that He sent His Son Jesus that we may have eternal life. Do you know right now in the Northeast that professing Christians that it's less than 8%? Do you know that? Do you know that? Part of my doctorate dissertation was to study the whole, the whole United States and, and to break it down into different regions. Do you know right now, New Jersey and New York and Connecticut are the least Christianized states in the U.S. along with Oregon, Washington, Vermont, Massachusetts. And do you know one of the most Christian cities in all of the world, in the whole U.S. is? Los Angeles. Never knew that, did you? No way. He just said no way. There are more Christians in the city of Los Angeles than any other city in the United States. And we live in an area where we see lots of churches. We see church steeples. But we don't see churches that are thriving and multiplying, do we? We see a lot of Christians jumping from church to church to church. This consumer mentality, like I'm not happy, so I'm going to go somewhere else. But the Gospel is least penetrating in the Northeast. But do you know in the last eight years that has changed? That even though it is the least Christianized area in the United States, there's some growth that's beginning to happen. And so when we started the plant, we said, our goal is to live out and mirror the gospel of Jesus Christ right here in our local community. We want to learn to reach people who do not have faith or who have walked away from their faith. Let me give you two examples just in this past year. And there's many. Matter of fact, this has been an amazing year where, where people have really connected with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's one of those years when people keep coming back to saying, happening in the plant. Like, like what happened? It just kind of made like this kind of bump. Something's going on. Like, like you change things around. Like there's more seats. There's, there's more people involved. Because the gospel is changing people's lives. Kathy Hagan 
If you know Kathy, don't look at her right now. <laughs> don't put her on the spot. Kathy's been coming to the plant now for about a year and a half, I believe. Correct? I won't look over there. Yes or no? Yes. And Kathy came from a friend. And as she's been hearing the Gospel and, and partnering in the Gospel and showing up and doing great things and, and everything we're at, there's Kathy, big old smile, just, just happier than happy. I really call her and Janet two of my cheerleaders when I'm preaching because whenever I'm preaching, they're just like, go, go, go. And Kyle Stoker's in the corner saying, amen, amen. I'm like, if these three people weren't here, i got to leave. <clears throat> but this year we talked about Kairos moments. These crisis gospel moments where Jesus intersects in our life. Where we're called to really make that decision like, do we see Him working or don't we? And on Facebook one day, it was during Easter, during our Kairos teaching, and, and something happened with her son, that her, her son was just doing something that she just got so frustrated with him, and, and all of a sudden she realized that, that she can't push him away. Because God's never pushed her away. And in that moment on Facebook, she explains the gospel that, that God loves her even more than, her, than she loves her son. Then how could she ever turn her back on him? And so you know what I wrote to, to Kathy? Kairos moments. And she said, I can't believe it's taken me this long for it to click. And I'm thinking how beautiful a story that is. You see, that's what the Holy Spirit does. It's not about just coming to some church and, and being revved up and going home, but it's, but it's as you're engaging in the Gospel, all of a sudden, God steps into your heart and bam, shift, something happens. And you realize that like He loves me more than my kids. He forgives me as I'm supposed to forgive my children. He has more plans and desires for me than I could ever imagine for my children. You see, that's the gospel. That's why we do the plants. For those Kairos, Kathy Hagen moments. Let me tell you another story about a, brand, a guy named Brian O'Dell. Brian O'Dell found the plant through some major crisis things going on in his life. Don't look at Brian. Okay? And we started talking. And this past spring, same time during Easter, during this Kairos conversation, he's like, I can't. So I said, come on to my office. And I drew the Cairo circle. I said, this is your moment. And in Brian fashion, he got all excited. He started moving in his seat. He's like, let's do it. This is my moment. Let's pray. I want to start this. And in that moment, the gospel of Jesus became real to him. That's what Jesus had prayed that he would fulfill. That he would be sent so we can know Him. And know that we can have eternity. Not just future, but present. Omar. So gospel, community, and mission. The cool thing about uh, all of this, especially as, as Rob talks about gospel, is that it's not just uh, an individual Thing. We, we hear stories of Kathy, we hear about the Pierces, we hear about Brian O'Dell. And the reality is that it's not just about one specific individual, right? So Jesus comes and he, and he brings rescue to a lost world, to a lost people. He dies on the cross uh, for sinners. Um, 
not just to make a path to God, not just so that we can know God, uh, but there's two things that follow after that. And one of those is community. See, in Jesus dying on the cross, in people believing in who he was, he gathered around himself a community of people. Let's read a little bit just about what he prays for this community. Let's pick it up on verse, uh, verse 9. We're going to go from 9 to 19. It says this, My prayer is not for the world. So this is Jesus praying. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me, because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united just as we are. During my time here, I protected them from the power of the name you gave me. I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that no one, so not one was lost except the one headed for destruction, as the scriptures foretold. Now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they will be filled with my joy. I have given them your word. And the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. See, the interesting thing here is that Jesus isn't praying just for one person. He's not just saying, Lord, I pray for Peter for such and such and such a thing. Because when he goes back home to this area, this is what's going to happen, so pray for him. And I pray for John because John's going to get on a boat and he's going to go to this part of the world by himself. And, you know, after I die, this whole thing's going to be done and over with anyway. No. He prays for them as a unit. He prays for them as a brotherhood, as a family. He prays for them as one, not just as individuals. He prays for a community to be united. He doesn't pray that they would be taken out of the world. See, a lot of times we walk through this, this, this whole faith journey and, and we think that, that this is it. Sunday morning is it. We gather on a Sunday morning, good worship, Rob speaks, yay, I'm pumped up. Now it's time to, to go back into the world, live through a week of chaos, and escape it to come back here again. That's not what this is about. That's not what Jesus is praying for. He's not praying, Lord, give them an escapist type of mentality. He's not doing that. He's praying for the protection. Lord, as I send them out into this world, guard them, protect them. They will need your provision. They will need you to carry them. They will need your protection. But he prays for them together as one, as a community, as family to be united because we see later on that it says that through the unity that these believers, these disciples, these 11 had together, the world was going to know that we belong to God and that Jesus truly is the Son of God. Let me share with you two stories on community. 
uh, here at the plant. One, you guys know Kyle Mack? You guys know Kyle? College student Kyle? He's awesome. He's everywhere, all over the place. He's not here today. He's, uh, he's been missing for a couple of weeks because he has grad school at NYU. But um, Kyle was a Ramapo College student. He came here to study his degree and just be here for four years. Four years, pack it up, and move somewhere else outside of New Jersey. New Jersey was the last place he would ever want to spend his life. <laughs> I don't know why. I, I love it here. Can't find pizza like you, fi- you find it here anywhere else. Can't find bagels like you find it anywhere else. Can't pi- find people cutting you off on the parkway and on 17 like you find anywhere else. But he, want, he, he wanted out. I'm here to get my degree, and I want out. Washington, Seattle, D.C., it doesn't matter. I want out. And then he encountered the plant. And his words, not mine. I found a community of people that has radically changed my life. Because of the plant, I am praying that God keeps me here. Because of our community, his prayer is that he would find a place. First, schooling. What school was going to accept him? NYU. NYU in like the Rockland area or something like that. Locally, this is awesome. He found the place just on the border of Mawan Ramsey. Hopefully we'll close on that real soon. His prayer, his hope, a year ago, if you were to talk to him and say, ah, I'm probably moving on. Eh, I can't really stand New Jersey. St. Louis would be really nice. He finds a community of people where his life is radically transformed, the thing that his heart has been beating for his entire life, he's able to find amongst us because of what God is doing, first and foremost, through the gospel. And so he is now setting his life up to stay here because he doesn't want to leave and move away from what God is doing in his heart and in his world to the people that we know. Other story. Actually, just happened last week. If you guys remember, uh, Pam uh, came up uh, after the service just to kind of say uh, thank you. And, and I was blown away. You are super articulate. You rock. No idea. So well spoken. But the one thing that Pam said that just like hit me, she said, when I walk in, not everybody knows me. I've, she's been coming here for about three months. When I walk in, Not everyone knows me, but I know that when I'm here, I'm part of a family. I'm welcomed into family. I am embraced, accepted, and loved for who I am as she continues to figure out her journey of faith with Jesus. Gospel is important. Gospel is foundational. Without Jesus and what he's done for us, None of this can happen. But it's not just about that moment. When he died, when his disciples believed, when Jesus prayed for them, and in essence, we'll hear eventually, he prays for us. It's because we are a gathered people together, a community, a family of people that God is directing on mission. See, for many of us, community is a really hard thing, right? It's really hard, especially in Jersey, to trust another person. It's hard enough just to live with the the people in your own house. Spouse, parents, kids. That's hard enough. 
You go outside those walls, and it's extremely difficult to trust people, right? We fear community. It's not an easy thing, it, right? Everybody says it. Once you're in Jersey, like, people are, like, really mean. People are closed off. Once you get to know somebody and, you know, then, like, it's all better. They don't say it's great. It's better. God is calling us to be a community of people that know him and make him known. Because we're not just individuals. We're not just out there being random, playing at Lucy Goose. We are a community of people that gather, God has gathered together to know him and to make him known. Let's look at verse 20 now. And this is where we're going to wrap this up. I'm praying not only for, for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be, all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are, as you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me. So they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given to me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. At the final part of his prayer, Jesus was now, he shared the gospel. He shared the power of the community that they've been reflecting. But now he finishes by saying, and now... May they experience all that we have. All that we have. And may we go on mission to make Christ known. You see, it doesn't just stop with gospel and community. And that's what happens oftentimes with churches. It's about hopefully people will walk through the door and, and, and Rob can preach to them. Rob can do better than me, so Rob can preach to them. I'll try to get people here, but let's get them in the school. And then when we get them in here, we, most churches just want to do this community thing where it's, where it's all about them. It's all about what they need. It's all about the, what they want. But here's what happens when churches only focus on gospel and community. It's like a fish tank. Fish tanks look really, really clean until you drop something in there and you have to go to the rocks and you stir the rocks and all the fish stuff comes up and you realize how nasty that fish tank is. That's what happens when we miss the final part of the prayer of Jesus. Where He's saying, as you have sent Me, I am sending them. To live and to experience the unity that we have had so they can make Me known. You see, as the Gospel... As we receive the gospel and as we live in community, there's something very unique that happens. It becomes contagious. Let me give you two examples. About three weeks ago, uh, Booming Sand played at the. Yeah, I do want to be. In, I'm in, I am interested in Jesus, but we held off on that conversation for a while. But 
that night at the Mawa Bar and Grill, fast forward two and a half, three years later, there was almost 80 people from Josh's life, whether it be people from the plant, people from his community, or people from past band members, where people were loving one another, building relationships, cross-pollinating their lives. And during the night, I get a text from Allison, this is an amazing missional night. You see, informally, we don't go walk up to people like, hey, you want to come over for dinner? Here's a track. No, we love people where they're at. And as we love them, it allows us to share the hope we profess. You see, so much of Jesus' mission was informally. It was when He was walking on the roads and, and in, the, in the everyday of life. And, and that's something we equip you guys with is that in your everyday life, are you following Jesus? Because if you're following Jesus, people are going to want to follow Him as well. I think about formally, more of that formal setting. For years we've been doing stuff in the town of Mawa, whether it be with Hurricane Irene, Hurricane Sandy, whether it be when there was that shooting in Connecticut and, and the mayor asked us to hold a prayer summit for, for that community. That Sue Scherer came up to me and said, we need to do some kind of VBS, some kind of kids program, something for the children. I don't want them to miss out. And so we called up the town and said, listen, we, we want to make sure that, that we don't interrupt anything you're doing. Here's what we're looking to do. Like an adventure camp for the kids. And you know what they said? They said, I have a better idea. We're going to do morning camp. And why don't you get the kids to come to afternoon camp with you? In other words, let's partner together to reach the families of Mawa who have two parents working all the time. And we've laid it out what we're doing and why we're doing it. I mean, think about that. Oftentimes when you think about programs like that, it's about, it's about, okay, Christians are only invited. We said, no, we're inviting the people of the plant. But God has sent us where? Into this world to be reflected. Be a reflection of Him. This coming week, we have the opportunity to speak to many children. To just love them like the plant loves them. Meet them where they're at. And, and actually assist the parents as many of them are working because they're two-parent families or single-parent moms or whatever it may be. Maybe it's a mom that just needs a break and needs to go to Starbucks, like many of them do. That's okay. But the highlight for me in mission this year was Joe Florio. Joe Florio has been a part of us now for several years. And something clicked in Joe this year that, that really has inspired me. Do you remember when we did the all-church celebration at his house? Remember that? That same weekend. How many people did he have at his house? Like 130, 140, even more? That's probably playing down the numbers because all the kids were on the other side chucking uh, soda cans at the rocks, parents. Do you know Joe invited his neighborhood to hang out with us? Do you know that? Do you know I walked up to a couple people and I'm like, hey, I'm Rob. Hey, I'm Joe's neighbor. I live right over there. You see, that's mission. That's inviting people into our lives. Not as an agenda, but just saying, let's live life together. Let's enjoy this and see what God wants to do. You see, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, 
so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You see, we have the opportunity to be a reflection of the gospel. Not this evangelicalism mess that people have been looking at and saying, who are you? We are saying we want to be a reflection of Jesus Christ to the world around us that believes in the holiness of Scripture and the power of His transformation. That's who we are. And I realize that in our church that there are there are some people that are just kind of engaging from a distance. And then I know that there's others that are running like wild horses with us because we are kind of a wild group. But here's what I want to tell you this morning. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You see, when God said that to the people of Israel, He was not saying about their consumeristic, individualistic attitude. He's saying, as you corporately follow Me, watch what I want to do in this world. And so this morning we celebrate what God is doing and is going to continue to do. And my prayer and Omar's prayer is that one day when we are long, far, and gone, that there will be a place in Mawa established that will be the reflection of Jesus Christ to the world around us. Amen? Amen. You see, the ending of the Gospel is the very beginning before He died. And that's when we went to the communion table. And so I want to ask Omar to lead us in communion. Can I have a band come forward? We look at a Sunday like this, and for those of you that are new here for the first time, you're like, oh, okay, this is what the plant's all about. But for those of us that have been around for a while, we can look at a Sunday like this and say, I've heard this. I know this. I got this. We're doing this. Yeah, I'm not really doing it, but, you know, I know it. A lot of times churches spend hours, days, months, years, organizations spend years crafting a mission statement that sounds beautiful and elegant and all that type of stuff, but they, they don't follow through with it. You see it on a bulletin board somewhere. You see it in an email once, one time long ago. For us at the church, it's really important for this to be at the forefront so that the vision of this can continue to propel us forward. See, Jesus did something really similar too. It's found in Luke chapter 22. This is something that he encouraged us to do every time we gather together. It says this starting in verse 14. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. And we are to do it every time we gather together to be reminded, to remember what God has done for us. And he's charged us. You are a community of people that is united because of what Jesus has done. And I am calling you to be one, to be united, to make God known to the people around you. So as you come forward for communion, for those of you that follow the way of Jesus, as you come forward, this is a serious thing. We are saying that we identify with the Savior of the world. Not only do we belong to Him, but we belong to one another. And in that, He is empowering and equipping us to go be Jesus to the world around us. Come forward, those of you that are followers of Jesus.